You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hello, this is Bradley Martin, and today we're going back in time, or perhaps forward? This fantasy series will be discussing, streaming on Amazon Prime, The Wheel of Time. Very popular uh, fantasy series written by Robert Jordan. Does it reinvent the wheel, or is it the same old motions? I see what you did there. Uh, we'll be talking about this show today eight episode series creator rafe judkins starring rosamund pike who's actually had kind of an awesome career reinvention on amazon prime but here to talk about this fantasy series with me someone whose dragonborn shout is always musically perfect harmony is with us and i will do as i do <laughs> all right we'll do as she does there we go and she'll kill you five times before you hit the ground without a corrupt evil enchanted weapon jen is with us hey folks here representing the brown of knowledge and somebody who has been shipping orcs and trolls before it was cool matt is with us <laughs> the, uh, the actual ogier of one of us. The actual ogre, yeah. <laughs> the actual ogre of one of us. I knew I liked you. <laughs> so, quick synopsis. A great time of evil is approaching. The Dark One is going to tighten his grip over the known world and send us all into evil and sadness. But those who can defeat the Dark One, oh, just one. A prophecy, I think, foretells that a dragon will be reborn to destroy the Dark One and his evil. Rosemond Pike, playing Moraine, is going to find that special chosen one and lead them to their destiny. Jen, please elaborate, as our book reader of Robert Jordan's novels on this review, what you thought of this, and uh, maybe throw in some extra synopses that I may have missed out on that I don't realize are as important as they should be. <laughs> Okay, so just count. so you know, this review will be five days, eight hours, and 16 minutes long, because that's <laughs> the minimum amount of time that it takes to give a proper synopsis of this gigantic mammoth of a series. Um, if you like the Silmarillion, this is your shit, and your time has come, basically. For the most part, they did a really good job of building something that is going to get people to get it in eight episodes. The fact that they did eight episodes at all and not like 15 or 16, but they got somewhere with it. That's impressive. 
I don't mind that it takes a lot of liberties with the linear storytelling of the books, because the books are dense. Each of these books is between five to 800 pages. They're dense. There's over 12, 13, 14, 15 of them. I can't remember. I can't count that high anymore. There, it's it's immense. You have to love lore to love a series like this, and if you do, this is your jam. Telling it on the screen is hard. First couple of episodes, I admit I was a bit disappointed. It read like a Hallmark made-for-TV movie with the cinematography and the, the flatness of the dialogue. But by the end of episode three, they really got their jam. They they got into a flow, and the they started being able to build in the actual lore, and that's what hooked me. And they did a good job for the most part. There are some things that at the end of this review I will rant about uh, in regards to changes that they made that I'm just like, but why though? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's your classic story of good versus evil, coming of age, figuring out what role you have to play in the universe around you, and whether you want to or not. There are a lot of questions hanging in the air and everything is nuanced. I mean, you probably won't discover a lot of things until later seasons, but Every character you meet has their own motivations and their own things that they they have going on behind the scenes. Nobody can be taken at face value of anything that they ever say. And that's what makes this series neat. And I'm here for it. That's my rant. Thank you. It's not even the rant yet. Beautiful. Yes. Stepping away slowly. <laughs> yes. So we have four leads, essentially. Four, no, five candidates. I always forget one of them. That could be the dragon reborn. We have Perian. Nyahi V. Nenev. Egwene. Egwene. Egwene, thank you. Rand. And of course, everybody's favorite, Matt. Matt. <laughs> and <team>. Matt. <laughs> and Matt. Matt Trim, if you're real. He's pop. my favorite. Really? <laughs> he was my least favorite. That's interesting. We'll, get, we'll have to get into that. Oh, no, I just meant because my name is Matt. I was just making a point. Uh, that was two T's uh, versus Matt with one T. Yep, yeah. that went right Deep over cut. my head. I'll be here all night. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. So with how <laughs> how a lot of these actors interact with each other, the core five, it kind of reads like a CW show. And I don't mean yes. that as a bad thing. I enjoyed it. What did you guys think of the five leads? And is five too many? Maybe three candidates would have been enough? What do you think? I don't think there are five leads. I think they made a very important choice and made Moraine the lead, who is for the first probably, I don't know, for... At least the books, as far as I read them, which I think I petered out around six, I, ca I caught up to the publication and stopped. So I, I would say until about that point, she's the most interesting character in the books, too, you know? Oh, wow. And the most tied um, so, to the actual plot. Yeah, and so they, yeah. they kind of decentralized the Tavaran, the, the, the multiple... The people tied to the fate of the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of production complaints with this. I thought the visuals in this were startlingly uneven for the budget and the people attached. Like, like one thing would be breathtaking. And then the next thing, like the texture on a wall or something would look like it was right from like a circa 99 CD-ROM game. Like, like I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to launch into like specific deep grievances, but like yeah. when they go to the blight, that canopy they put over the blights to avoid having to fully draw it, which was just like this recursive pattern of the same, you know, kind of, kind of 
fractal grid of trees like that was that was first year student stuff i was i was offended yeah, that was that. running out of time and money <laughs> like, situation right there like, I, I, but but then there's really good stuff in here too like the ways between the worlds were really cool the 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 fade the sort of um the sort of uh ring wraith analog in this uh they're incredibly creepy looking and and so like it's hard to rate because it's inconsistent. The good is very good and the bad is very... Oof. Yeah. Like yeah the, that's the, kind of the, how the, I thought about it too. The, CW's, like... the CW stuff between the Taveran is like, like, come on. Yeah. Have we not hit the point of, as a civilization where we realize that when the apocalypse is imminent, we just put our dating on a shelf? <laughs> they had to like, make it interesting yeah, but... for the kids. Gotta have them romances. The kids shouldn't be watching this. Though. No, especially no. later on. Oh, it gets saucy. Yeah. No. I always Violet. thought this was like a kid's book. And it is oh, no. <laughs> no, no. So, so my always... issue I, I was having is that I actually have a really hard time staying focused long enough through lore that I needed in like bits and pieces. And I think it did a pretty good job in, in giving like bits and pieces of lore. But there'd be like times where it'd just be like, here's all the lore for this episode. And I'm like, uh not knowing what to do with it and so like i had a hard time reading the hobbit as a kid <laughs> you know, everyone's like oh i love the hobbit as a kid i had a horrible time reading the hobbit because i can't it's too much tolkien loved his lore he loved his lore i i need i need it kind of a little staggered and yeah you're not fascinated it, but... by which winds brought the rain that made oh, dew Jesus. on the shire during spring i am oh my god i am not i am not human <laughs> <laughs> me and uh can we Stephen just Colbert. the 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 Ed Sheeran song. It's like, yes. it, it, can we just do that? No, no. Um, no. Um, but I also, I had like a, a, an issue with kind of the aesthetics of it. Like there'd be times where like costuming would be amazing. And then like the next scene would just be very obviously like machine sewn, <laughs> you well, know, thrown together for, for, you know, to fill the out the scene or whatever. And I'm just like, I, the- it almost feels like it wasn't planned. The costuming also does does something that I personally is like a hot button of mine, which is where they just take things from like multiple real cultures on Earth and and put throw them throw a couple of them in a blender and they're like, well, we'll put a Peruvian blanket on someone with Indonesian tattoos and we'll call that yes. a new culture. Yep, exactly. You know, yeah. and when they're when they're all like really readily identifiable separately. Yep. And they ju- it just makes it look like it makes it look like an EDM festival. <laughs> it looks like Coachella. Oh, I can't we have, see we that. We have the Ren Fair Coachella is what's happening here. Coachella yeah. was actually what I was groping for, and my mind wouldn't say the word. Yeah, I kept going. Don't say bumper shoot. Don't say that's wrong. You're not wrong at all, though. Wow, I can't you know, see that. The parts that looked good looked really good, like Matt said. The parts that didn't did not. I think that's kind of true for what they did with the story as well. I was watching it with my dad who, you know, read most of the books and he was trying to like, cause I, I will admit I did not read the books. I just kind of thought it sounded interesting and I wanted to be a part of it. And like, he filled me in with like details and stuff like that. Like I was like, I was like, I would never have gotten any of that <laughs> from any of this context that I see on the screen. And that is really frustrating for me. Sure. Now the series for me kind of ended on a buzzkill and i would probably give season two a second chance because i really enjoyed episodes four five and six which almost were like a side quest 
there there was a fake dragonborn saying that he was the true savior and they had to look into that and that could be lifted out of the the whole series and it wouldn't change the outcome but at the same time maybe it would down the line if more phonies start showing up or maybe if the real one shows up and someone says that person's a phony i i think they hit him hard because they wanted an on. They wanted to explain the gentling process and what the Asadai do visually and show it once, so that because because in the book yes. by that point that's only been like exp, like like Moraine has told them about it. Yeah, yeah, but it hasn't. I see. And that's that's the one of the big things that I found interesting. It like I said, it's a dense lore. So how do you? looking at the grand scope of 16 some odd books, how do you pull enough of it into the beginning to get people who don't know anything about it invested and make it visual and sexy so that people will want to invest in it without giving the game away, but with remaining true to kind of the journey that the characters have to take. And so there were side pieces of it where I'm not too mad about them bringing the fake dragon in earlier because that it kind of makes you understand where it's going and like the gravity of the situation is it out of linear time sure it should have happened like six books later but it helps get you there a lot sooner and that's a lot of the problem with jordan if you want to call it a problem his pacing like tolkien he loves the narrative and he loves the lore so the first and I my first time through the series, I tried to read the first book, couldn't get through two chapters, found it stodgy, and threw it on a shelf. And then I was gifted a copy of it a year later, and a friend said, no, 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 read it. It's real good. You would love this based on everything you read. And I tried again and couldn't get into it, and so threw it on a shelf. After the fourth time of people who knew what I loved to read giving me a copy of it, somebody finally said, no, 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 you have to get through the entirety of the first novel 50 pages before the end of the first book. It'll hook you, and then you'll plow through the rest of it. And sure as shit, that's what happened. Honestly, I don't remember which one it was. It was two or three that got me. It was the one that the first one that mostly focuses on Perrin. Yeah. Oh, he was his storyline and his development were some of the coolest moments of the whole series for me. He was one of my favorite characters, and he's also one of the moments that I have the most problem with in this in this adaptation of it. They fabricate a wife for him in episode one. That is not a character that exists in the books. No way. And it's one of those, I feel like the decision that was made is that he's kind of a stodgy character because he's introverted and quiet and he takes a while. He's a slow burn character. He doesn't get really some meat until later on, right? But they're trying to sell this whole thing, so they have to make him interesting early. Slow burn? No. He is like in the <laughs> books. Rand is even almost even a bigger himbo than he is in the show. Mm-hmm. Like he's just yes. he's just he's almost like Shinji in Evangelion. You're just like stop bitching, stop bitching, yes. and enjoy he is, and enjoy the, and enjoy fighting at the you know enjoy being one of the people that matters. You know enjoy your protagony. And you so, and your pretty red so, hair get out of here. So in the books, Perrin is the the reliable one. Yes. And until he gets kind of mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Traipsing yeah. on spoilers for yeah, the yeah. first 15 no, no. minutes here. Good. <laughs> well, we are going to have a brief spoiler discussion after our final thoughts. Yes. So let's head towards that direction. Harmony, would you please start us off with your final thoughts? My, th- my final thought is even with the confusion and 
you know, having to get things filled in for me because, you know, I'm not stupid, but <laughs> I kind of felt like oh, I'm a little out of my depth a little bit with, with trying to follow all the lore and everything. But I, I still enjoyed it. It's not terrible, but it's not amazing. It's, it's good, I think. I would say it's pretty good. It's all right. I think that if they're doing additional seasons, they need to do more episodes with not as much, like, compacted in there for people who have not read the books, who want to follow the story but have not had a chance to read the books or listen to audiobooks or, or whatever. Um, so all that being said, I, I, I liked mostly how it looked, except for, like I said, when it was sloppy, like we said earlier, um, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to it. Um, I'm, I look forward to to seeing a second season and probably a recap episode (laughs) would be helpful. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to give this 6.5 out of 10 trolls, no orcs, no trolls, no orcs. Matt, your final thoughts. Okay, I have some problems. I definitely have the problem that like a lot of what they didn't have time for is what elevates this franchise from its superficial resemblance to things like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Because without some of the lore and without some of the discussion of the unique cultures and the unique magic system and the stuff that makes this world tick well... It really does like, oh, this thing's a ring wraith. These things are troll slash orcs. They're even called troll orcs. Like it leaves its nose open for some of that criticism. And I hope it grows out of that in the second season. The the Ogier, the only real non-human they show, uh, his makeup's not great. And there's there's a few other things like that are just inexcusable given who made it and what their budget was. I can't rate it too highly. But I also like there's enough potential here and I like the property enough and a couple of the core portrayals like like uh, Rosamund Pike is the central figure and her female only order of sorceresses that kind of secretly runs everything. She's so good. I have to give it about a six and a half or seven, I guess. Um, Six and a half swords that are probably going to be important later. There or maybe go. the dagger or maybe you the did other it thing. you did it you, you had to you had to say that that way i mean jennifer I, i'm alluding to the obvious foreshadowing thing because they keep yeah. zooming in on it every time he takes it out make sure you notice this thing hey did you yeah. notice this thing oh wait this thing the yeah. thing it's a thing it's shiny red button it is a, it is <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm completely aligned with matt on this I am a fan of this of the subject matter. I will continue to watch this because I have hope. I am the eternal optimist that things that I love will eventually get good representation on film. I am disappointed with some of the decisions that were made. I understand some of them, and then some of them I still think I would have fought for. One thing I will say is I am proud of the showrunner because he fought for a very particular scene that happens at, I think at the beginning of either episode two or three, I can't remember which it is. I think it's episode two. And it's one of the first moments in the book that really kind of sets the tone and ties everybody in. It's one of like the first kind of romance moments where you fall in love with the lore. And he fought very hard to keep it in the film 
And I'm really glad he did because it was the first moment of the whole thing that gave me goosebumps. And I was like, oh, I get this. This is great. I'm so glad that you made this choice. And I want to see more of that in projects like this. Like if you're going to take on something that's so beloved, that's so dense and rich, you have to do it right. And you have to fight to do it right or don't do it at all is the way I feel about things like this. And so there were moments that I felt they very much did justice to things. And then there are some very glaring moments that I can see they made decisions in order to get ratings and to get views from modern, unintelligent audiences that I am sad to admit are normally the people that buy things. I get it. You have to make some concessions, but it as a a loyalist to the subject matter, I will always be disappointed by those moments. So like Matt, I am definitely giving this like a 6.5 to 7-ish because I want people to watch it. It's great lore. It's great. It's just such a great story once you get into it. And I'm hoping that in subsequent seasons, you will get to see some of the beauty of it. My biggest critique in this season is that it was rushed. The, even the first book is upwards of three, 350, 400 pages. There's a lot there. And the first book is so important in setting the tone of the world and getting you going with these characters. And there are just things that they rush through. And particularly the season finale, it's like you're rushing to this thing and then all of a sudden the thing happens in about 30 seconds and then it's over and then we're done and now we're moving on. And the pacing of that is the most jarring part of this whole show for me, the pacing. And you don't know it unless you know what's happening. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we there already? And there's so many beautiful shades and things that happen, half shades, that happen in between that you just miss because they had to rush through to completion. I wish it had been 16 to 20 episodes. Then I might have been happy with it. So that's my biggest gripe. Um, that said, the happy things. My favorite characters in the books are beautifully represented in this show. Lan and Nanave are given some really great moments. You really get to see some of the the delicacy of their characters that doesn't come across well in the books. It's implied, but it's always things that happened off screen in the books that you actually get to see on screen, which were really exciting for me as a lover of, of them as characters and of the story. There are some moments they put on screen that I'm just jazzed about. And like, I rewatched a couple scenes three, four, five times because I was so excited to see them on screen. Um, the one thing that I was a bit disappointed in is the magic weaving the way that they represented it, it's a lot more, like, stocky and more, like, fixed movement rather than, like, flowing and moving and kind of like water bending would have been in one of the Avatar nations, you know? Like, very fluid and movement-based because it's weaving. You're weaving folds of things together. And they didn't do that here. And that was, that was one of the one things that me and my bibliophile friends were like, how are they going to represent that? It's either going to be crap or it'll be great. And I'm like, I could have done better. Um, so I, I will give this 6.5 out of 7 completely absent Aes Sedai shawls. Because where are my shawls, yo? They, they're, they're the thing that represent their fraternity, basically. Like, the color of their shawl. They wear their shawls everywhere. Where are my shawls? Was that replaced by the little rings they were wearing? Maybe? No, the rings are, are in addition to. Those were also? They okay. wore the colors of their ajah, but they didn't wear the shawl. And the shawl is the shit that's like... This is your crown. This is your Pope hat. If Moraine was convincing me to take up magic and be like, check out this cool ring, I'd be like, I'm in. See you, family. <laughs> Accessories, let's go. 
exactly. Serpent ring. You can't even see their serpent rings. Yeah. My final thoughts. Uh, love the creepy ghoulie designs, except when they're running in CGI. That looked dreadful. But the practical Trolloc stocking looked great. Uh, I love the lore. I love that a lot of the lore is told very quickly through shots that makes you think, well, what's that about? I liked the the library character who just shows up randomly and is like, hello, I'm a big, awesome creature. I'm well studied. Mind if I tag along? And like you said, Jen, it starts rushing because they're like, sure, why not? And all of a sudden, are we rushing or dragging? The ending conflict felt like the most rush. What I was waiting for was like a five-minute scene. And it was kind of upsetting with that. Uh, there is one particular scene which elevated this for me. And it's a scene about remembering someone who is no longer with you. Uh, Daniel Henney, he plays... Uh, Lan, yeah. And he, he's a badass up until that scene... And that scene made me think, oh, wow, please more Daniel Henney. I looked at his IMDb profile. The biggest thing he's known for right now is this and Wolverine Origins. That's not right. Please get this guy more roles because it was incredible. Uh, Roseman Pike also a huge standout in that particular scene. I believe it was episode five. I'm being very vague. But we can get into a quick spoiler talk, of course. I'm going to give this... Solid seven mean girls in your fraternity that are always trying to get in your business, but truthfully, out of ten, tattling to mother, like oh my gosh, that and I just want to say that let's get to spoilers here. The Aes Sedai are not able to lie; they are only able to tell truths and weave facts through misdirection with words. I guess That's they're all the experts part. at Obi Wan's, yeah. Obi-Wan's bullshitting, well, I didn't lie to you, Luke. I never saw Darth Vader as your dad. You know, but much more clever than Obi-Wan. No offense to, to Star Wars fans out there. Obi-Wan's great. Yeah, let's have a spoiler talk. The scene I was talking about was a funeral. That reminded me of how I felt and how I'm sure a lot of people listening and on this review have lost people in their lives. I had a spiritual connection with that scene. I loved it. So, yeah, I'm glad this really boosted the show for me. But a spoiler talk from you three. What do you got for me? I really, Did they kill Loyal? I freaking hope not, because if they did, then we're going to have all some serious books, words. Yes, he's like alive he's at the end of the series. He's he has a permanent a huge party story. member. Yeah. Yes. If and, they do... Um, that last episode is the episode that I have 90% of the problems with in this whole show. Like, everything else, I can see why they did things they did. I can I can explain away some things. They added some things in that weren't there that I was happy with. That first they episode, killing a parent's wife. And then three of the major things that happened at the end of the last episode. The loyal thing. The uh, women's circle of Aes Sedai who all get burnt out for no reason defending the gap. Why? Was that and then, the no, and then yeah. and then the the whole battle between uh, Rand and Ishmael, who is not the Dark One, by the way. He's more yeah. like the Galactus, or he, he's more like the Silver Surfer to Galactus. To Galactus. Gotcha. Yes, that's he, a he, great he, analogy. He arrives, he arrives early and gets all the Dark friends going every time they take a crack at it. Gotcha. But oh, he yeah. wants everybody to think he's the Dark One because that's his jam. He's the egotist. Rand is a different race from all the rest of them in the book, and it's important. 
Yeah, it's very important. Be, because because the two rivers in the book is not diverse. And he is he sticks out like a sore thumb stuck, and everybody knows it. Oh, it's okay. like an elf living in the Shire. Mm-hmm. So based off of the book, is the multicultural casting appropriate or is it more? I don't just. They, they don't yeah. get into a lot of it. Like it only be, it's only important in a couple places like that. Right. One. One. It's yeah. supposed, oh, okay. it's supposed to be clear that he's an adopted orphan and everybody knows it. Yeah. The, uh, mi- like, the mixed racial casting kind of blurs that line a bit. I'm not mad at it. Cause it's not relevant to the story in any way, shape exactly. or form except for him. Yeah. No, I'm all for like multicultural representation. That's awesome. I'm just like, because you're throwing that thing out about that. He was supposed to look so different. You yeah. know, where, where was that? You know, who knows where that decision was made, you know. And they don't do a good job of you understanding that the the guy that was in the the cage in, like, the episode two, the dead guy that Matt tries to um, pickpocket, he was an ailman. And that's why that was a big thing. Like, seeing an ailman out of the, the waste. Where are they from? They're from the mountain. Seeing him out of there was, like, a big, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're running, Can we're anybody running end long. on a joke? Yeah, we should probably yeah. stop. <laughs> we could go on. Sorry. 